This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's here next Sunday. Yeah, reminding me about you. But he's still here next Sunday. We will do that next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Uh, Matthew 6, 33. This is this, our scripture of the month. Matthew 6, chapter 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Somebody say above all else. It means everything considered, you must seek the kingdom of God above that. Above my job, above my family, above everything that is anything in my life, I must seek the kingdom of God. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And it will give you everything you need. If you read from the New uh, King James Version, the New King James Version, uh, he says something to this effect. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things shall be added to you. Friends, you don't have to be a professor in English language or linguistics to know that this sentence is incomplete. Because you never start a statement with but. If I say but seek the kingdom of God, automatically it tells you one thing. It tells you there's something preceding what you just read. You know, so for you to have a full understanding of uh, what you're reading, you, you need to back up a little bit. And on Friday night, we did just that. We backed up a little bit. This conversation, if you want to understand the context of it, you have to go all the way back to verse 24. In verse 24, this is Jesus speaking to the people here. He said to them, he says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve what? Two masters. What that tells you is that there is a very real idea of wanting to serve two masters. There is a very real situation of two things competing for your attention. It's telling you that there will be, there will be other things that will be contesting for your time and for the place of God in your life. And it begins by warning you. It said, you cannot serve two, two masters. Amen? It said, for either you will hate one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then, in case you are not very clear about it, and I would rather you show me uh, uh, the New Living Translation, please. In the New uh, Living Translation, it says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot what? You can't serve God and money. You cannot be enslaved to money. What that means is very simple. Because money, you know, when people say, oh, money is evil. Money is not evil. <laughs> money is not. It's not evil. Amen. The love of money is what is evil. Thank you very much. The love of money is evil. So he's saying you cannot live your life 
being enslaved to money. Can I tell you what that means? If the driving force for your life on everything you do is money, you are in trouble, my brother and my sister. Money is good. In fact, the Bible says money answers. Are you afraid? I know you know the scripture. Money in response to things. The needs in our life. You need a car. Okay, you don't need a car. You need a means of getting to work. You can get a bicycle. Yeah, it will do about the same job. You just keep cycling and keep pedaling and keep going. You will sweat a lot, but you will get there. There's an old proverb that says the pig will get to one city, one Asian city. It's just there will be a lot of noise and sweat. Amen? Money. <laughs> Money is good. But you cannot afford to be enslaved by money. For some people, the bottom line in every decision is money. You get a new job. The reason you take or don't take that job is how much does it pay? Amen? Do I live in San Antonio or do I live in Austin? Do I live? The bottom line is money. Everything is about cash. Friends, it will not be long before you begin to make the wrong decisions. If your life is driven by money, if your life is driven by cash, it will not be long before you begin to make the wrong kind of decisions. You cannot serve God effectively if you are enslaved to money. You cannot serve God effectively if your bottom line is money. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Many years ago, after we started the church, I was still in the military, and they were going to move me to North Carolina. I'd finished school. I'd finished, in fact, I had a choice to go to a number of places. North Carolina was where they eventually wanted to send me. We already started the church. So I began to pray. And I was asking God, there's got to be a way out of this. And then God gave me an idea. My military folks will know this. I had an identifier on my, on my MOS, an additional identifier that says, because I'm all that and so much more and a bag of chips and, no, just kidding. <laughs> I had an identifier that said I should, whenever possible, I should serve where there is a research facility. So I asked him, I said, is there a research facility in North Carolina? He said, no. I said, I'm not going. So I protested. I said, this order has to be changed because there's no research there. But understand, the only reason I don't want to go there is because of the church. So they changed my orders and changed it to Great Lakes, Illinois. Very cold. You know? Understand that I was just one way, one year, one year I came to America and they are taking me to cold country. You know, so I thought about it again. This time they said, You are going to the research facility in Great Lakes, Illinois. It was spelled out on the orders. Then somebody said, Where there's a will, there's a way. 
I mean, it wasn't like the church was a lot of people. Maybe we were like 10 people. But I was committed to the work. I was committed to the work. So I went back and I said, uh, actually, I have doctor's orders. Because my wife was pregnant with twins. I said, I have doctor's orders that my wife's pregnancy is high-risk pregnancy. And she cannot travel. And I will be in great distress. <laughs> of course, you know I will be. Yeah. Leaving my wife pregnant with twins with uh, Tobilola. Tobilola was less than one. Dami was about 10. You know, I said, I, I can't do that. You know? So they thought about it. They thought about it. And then they came and said, ah, how come we've been worrying ourselves all this? There's a research station right there in San Antonio, Texas. So they posted me there. Not 20 years in San Antonio now. Friends, your life must not be guided by money. Must not. You mu the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the true sons of God. So you continue to read down in, in, that, in the text, uh, 24, 25, you continue reading down. He began to talk about some things you know, talking about food, drink, and clothing. I was reading a commentary on these uh, uh, verses of scripture, and the, 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 the author was saying something that struck me, because I never saw it like that before. He said, what that text, what it's telling us is that God has poor people in mind. I know with a high percentage of certainty that nobody here is uh, hungry because they don't have food. I, I, it might be possible, but I doubt it. God has helped us. God has blessed us. As individuals, as families, God has been good to us. But the scripture is saying that if God can care for birds, birds, you, you have never seen and you will never see a bird that drops from the sky because it's hungry. You see a bird dead and you see it is all, you know, kwashoko, marasmic. You, will, you won't see it. Every bird is fed by God. They get fat and then they die of old age or something. It says if God can care for those little birds, they don't plant they don't harvest, but they get, they, they, they get filled. They eat and all of that. And then it talks about white flowers that are decked up and decked up better than Solomon. He said, if God can do that for the birds, for wild plants, wild flowers that exist today and disappear tomorrow, what about you? What about me? And it is within that context, it says, but... Somebody say, but. For you and for me, as a child of God, the most significant thing in our lives must be his kingdom. Why? Because we have a God that loves us so much and is going to take care of us. I say this quite, of, uh, quite often, and I mean it. I believe it. You know, most of the things we have in our lives today are things we didn't pray for. There are things we didn't pray for. You know? Somebody comes to me and brings me a box of, I say, oh, pastor, God bless you. 
You know, and I know people think this in their mind, that the reason those things happen is because you are the pastor. I have been receiving favors long before I became a pastor. The favor of God. The fa As a child of God, your alias is favor. As a child of God. What is uh, uh, grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Amen. The Bible says the God of all grace. Amen. So your God is a God of grace. And of his grace, he has given us grace for grace, grace to grace. The favor of God is upon my life. The favor of God is upon your life. That is why you must first of all, the first thing you put ahead of you is his kingdom. I remember when uh, I decided I was going to go by vocational, my North Star was job in San Antonio. That is what was guiding me. That, I mean, could I walk outside of town? Yes. But I know how difficult it will be for me as a person. I am committed to the vision the Lord has given us here, and that was my North Star. And guess what? I did not look long before he gave me something right here in San Antonio that I've loved so much. Put first his kingdom and everything else. Somebody say everything else will be added unto you. What I want to do today is perhaps let's define the kingdom. Because when you look at that verse, it says, seek first the kingdom of God, yeah, his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. So you can break it down and say there's three elements in that verse. Yes, the kingdom of God, righteousness, and all things. So what's all things? So, but today, let's, let's define the kingdom. Many of us are familiar with kingdoms. You know, uh, the queen of England, is, uh, she has her domain, her territory. That's her kingdom. Her kingdom stretched across the Atlantic uh, in the past. But uh, some of us have taken our, what belongs to us, we have taken it back. You know, go and be royalty in your place there. Don't, don't be putting your face in other people's business. You know, so when you think of a kingdom, in a kingdom, you have a king. The king has reign over his or her dominion, right? The dominion of the king, queen of England is England. The dominion of the king of France, I think there is something like that, king of France, is France. There is a king of Spain, their dominion is Spain, right? So a king has a jurisdiction. So when you say kingdom, kingdom is pretty much two words com uh, combined together, king and dominion. So a king has a dominion where they have authority. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, when you read, and only in the gospel of Matthew will you find this, the kingdom of heaven. Some people get all wound up on, oh, so this is what the kingdom of heaven is and this is what the kingdom of God is. Don't get wound up on what is not relevant or important. The one thing that is important is there is a kingdom. Amen? And there is a king over that kingdom. 
And the king over that kingdom is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When the Bible talks about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not talking about a territorial jurisdiction. Jesus said to the disciples, said, the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in me. I am the embodiment of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And Jesus, in trying to illustrate this concept to his disciples, told them many, many parables. Amen. Because when you think of a kingdom, you think of a frame, not a framework, but it, it, it means there's a limitation. That's what you think about. The, 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 the queen of England, as powerful and, and as influential as she is, she cannot take over the domain of the Oluba Dovibadon. That's my hometown. That's my, our king. The Olubado. She can't go there. Even though she's powerful and she's all of this and the, the, the prime minister reports to her, the military reports to her and uh, my Olubado. His chiefs report to him. Even I don't report to him. <laughs> and I'm a citizen of Ibadan. But when you think of kingdom like that, you're thinking of restrictions. The kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has no bounds. Hallelujah. It's not limited to a place. It's not limited to one corner. He said, don't say in your heart, it is over there. It's over here. It's over here. No, the kingdom of God is in you. The dominion, the authority, the power of God, of his kingdom, he has placed inside of you and inside of me. We are the ones that are representing him all over the place. So he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 13, I did a series on the parables of Jesus about eight, nine years ago. In Matthew chapter 13, he says to them, he tells them the parable of the weed. You know, the farmer planted and all of this is the good seed and then weeds and the everything grew together. He said the kingdom of God can be likened to that. It means there are some people that are not a part of, but they are hanging in there, like some folks in church. They know all the church lingo. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you, brother. The Lord bless you, sister. They know the language, but they are not a part of the kingdom. They know the ways of the kingdom, but they are not a part of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. The real question for you and I that we'll be asking as we go along is, are you a part of the kingdom? Is the kingdom in you or not? Membership of Redeemed Christian Church of God does not confer citizenship of the kingdom to anybody. Membership, you say, oh, Salvation Center, San Antonio, that's our church. We, we, we have fun in our church. That's all there is to it. You have fun. Membership of Salvation Center, San Antonio, does not confer citizenship right on you in the kingdom. 
That is why it says, seek first the kingdom. You may be amongst God's people. Are you one of God's people? The Bible says, when the children of Israel left Egypt, it said there was a mixed multitude. There were some people amongst them that were not part of the covenant. So the fact that we have church, the church is full. Oh, we had a full church today. We had a full service today. Where are we going? Are we all headed the same direction? Oh, I grew up in a Christian family. My daddy is a pastor. In fact, my daddy is the pastor of Salvation Center San Antonio. It means absolutely nothing unless you are a citizenship of the a citizen of the kingdom. My daddy is this, my mommy is that. Whatever it is I am laying claim of has no meaning if I don't have a right to the citizenship. So he says, seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom. The one I like, I like two parables there that I want to read to you very quickly. I'm out of time. Matthew chapter 13, verse 14, uh, 44 rather. Matthew 13, 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Verse 45, the parable of the pearl of great value. It says, again, the kingdom of God is likened to a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. This is what Jesus is saying to you and I. And I'm going to end with this. He's saying the way you know that you have owned and you have entered into the kingdom, that the kingdom lives in you, the way you know is that everything becomes meaningless outside of the kingdom. He said, this man found a treasure in the land. Everything else he owned, he sold it. This other one found a pearl of great value. He went back and sold everything. I'm not saying go sell everything you own. What I'm saying to you, everything you own and you are about must be secondary to who you are in Christ Jesus. Proudly, I will introduce myself to people. It doesn't matter where I am. You know, uh, when I interviewed for my current position, so they straight up, I'm a pastor. I'm not, I don't, I'm not ashamed of who I am in Christ Jesus. Not only am I born again, I'm a pastor. And I've been pastoring over 15 years at the time. I'll let them know. So you know what you are bringing on. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I am quick to first identify with Jesus and second as anything else. That is why since I've known Christ and I've graduated university, 
People first know me as a child of God before they know whether I have a DR in front of my name. I've had my pastors in the past ask me, is it true that you are a doctor? I say, yes, sir. So how come they don't call you doctor? I said, don't mind them, sir. Don't mind them. Doctor is not who I am. That's not who I am. Who I am is I am a child of God. I'm a child of God, born again, sanctified, justified by Jesus Christ, by the redemption of Christ, I have been justified. That is who I am. Everything else is secondary. I'm proud, very proud, to be the husband of this wonderful, beautiful young lady. But above that, I'm a child of God. So what I do to her, what I do with her, how I treat her is not based on just the love I have for her. It's based upon the responsibility that is placed upon me as a child of God. That is how I relate with her. The, what gives meaning to my life is not my title. Some people... You call them without the title. Say, <laughs> uh, what disrespect? Hello, brother Koye. Who is your brother? Oh, sorry, pastor. No, oh, sorry, doctor, pastor. <laughs> Apostle, general. Come on. Come on. Come on. He said... But seek ye first. First, the identity I have is not I'm, I'm an American citizen. So I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm a co-inheritor with Jesus Christ. That is what gives meaning to my life. I ask you the same question today. What gives meaning to your life? You're very proud of your education. That's good. That's good. That's very good. It's an accomplishment. I appreciate it. When we get to heaven, the only thing that is going to count is who you have been as a representative of Christ. It is so important to God that he calls you and I ambassadors of Christ. I'm an ambassador. So if you call me ambassador, I will answer you. Hey, I'm ambassador Koye. Yes. So you can put bro in front of you too. Yes. Ambassador, bro, doctor, pastor, uh, professor, <laughs> and so on and so forth. Brethren, you get the point. Yes, I, I'm, I'm way past my time. I'm going to stop here. Let's rise to our feet. I want you to choose. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.